Welcome to the 44th Street Podcast of the New York City Bar Association. In this episode, Mindful Lawyering, a podcast of the City Bar Mindfulness and Wellbeing in Law Committee. With committee members Amy Latore, Stacey Schaefer, Alejandra Vargas, and Lisa Podemski. Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Here's Amy Latore. Welcome to Mindful Lawyering, a podcast brought to you by the New York City Bar's Mindfulness and Wellbeing in Law Committee. My name is Amy Latore, and on our inaugural podcast today, I introduce you to some of my colleagues on the Mindfulness and Wellbeing in Law Committee. Lisa Podensky, Stacey Schaefer, and Alejandra Vargas will share with you stories about their mindfulness journeys and how they have each endeavored to strike a balance between rewarding legal careers and their wellness all throughout a pandemic. We hope that by the end of today's podcast, you can find some useful tools to incorporate into your own life. We will end the podcast today with a five-minute closing meditation. Welcome, Lisa, Stacy, and Alejandra. Please introduce yourselves, tell us about your role on the committee, what you do, and where have you been physically working from over the last almost two years? Lisa. Thanks, Amy. So I'm the chair of the Mindfulness and Wellbeing in Law Committee. I'm also an attorney for children at the Legal Aid Society Juvenile Rights Practice. So I've been working at the table I'm sitting at right now, the table in my main room of my small apartment. Stacy. Hi, Amy, thank you. Um, so I'm the secretary of the Mindfulness and Wellbeing in the Law Committee. Uh, I'm an attorney. During the pandemic, I was working remotely and I started coaching and doing intuitive readings for people to help them with finding their purpose and developing their spirituality. So I've been at home. Thank you, Amy. And hi, ladies. So happy to be here with you sharing this time today in this amazing podcast that um, and now I'm so lucky. I'm a recent member of, of, of the committee, but I have been for several years part of the New York City Bar and really appreciate all the different tools and techniques and um, you know spaces that they create for us to communicate. Uh, I'm also an attorney and associate attorney at Dwayne Morris, uh, where I practice immigration law. Uh, I have been working during the pandemic uh, I think that the pandemic taught me to be very flexible and to learn that I can work from anywhere. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I got locked in Vancouver in Canada. I was supposed to stay there only for three days. I ended up being there three months, and I realized that I was able to work uh, from there without any problem. Then uh, I came back to New York, and I had to move apartments to so something that I never imagined, moving, working remotely, adapting to different spaces with the challenges of printing and all of that, because we do that all the time in immigration, large materials. And I was able to do it without any problem. And now I'm going back to the office. Um, now I'm trying to go as much as possible, at least three times per week, but they are very flexible. And, and I think that's the main thing to realize that now we can adapt and we can incorporate our personal lives and also being able to work. So uh, that has been me during the pandemic. Great. Well, thank you all. So excited to have you with me on the podcast today. So let's get started with the basics. Mindfulness has really become quite a buzzword lately. And the textbook definition is pretty straightforward. In general, mindfulness is defined as an awareness of the present moment, 
However, mindfulness can really mean different things to different people. So I'm asking you, what does mindfulness really mean for you personally? And how did you start on your journey of practicing mindfulness? Lisa, let's start with you. Thanks so much, Amy. So mindfulness is super broad for me. When I get anxious as a type A kid, my mom would do some breathing exercises with me sometimes, or she told me to take a walk or I draw. I think those are my first things that were tools to get me back into the moment to deal with anxiety of some kind as a kid. We didn't call it anything fancy. We didn't label it as mindfulness or meditation or anything like that. I will say that my mom took me on my first official yoga wellness retreat after high school. I had done yoga videos before and my great aunt was actually a yoga teacher like a million years ago. So I learned a little from her, but that was my first of very many retreats. I then took yoga as my PE in college along with dance. I went to Barnard's, so there were a lot of yoga and dance classes available. Both yoga retreats and even just poses and breathing exercises, pranayama, um, got me through some majorly stressful times every year, but that's where it started. Stacy, how do you define mindfulness and how did you start in your journey of mindfulness? Okay, thanks, Amy. For me, I actually do like the definition of present moment awareness for mindfulness, but I feel it falls short because I think that I would include being aware of my mental, uh, emotional, physical, and spiritual state in the moment. It's not just, oh, I'm aware now, but it's how is my entire system feeling in this moment. Um, it's difficult though, because we're always being pulled in so many directions at the same time with all the responsibilities that we have. So it, actually you have to really pay attention to that. Um, <clears throat> Joe Dispenza likes to say where attention goes, energy flows. So mindfulness to me is pulling my attention and therefore my energy back into the now, getting in touch with feelings and my state of mind, physical body in the present moment. How it started for me was I went through a very difficult divorce about a decade ago now. Um, and I was really called upon to um, really get control of my emotions, my state of mind. There was a lot of anxiety and uncertainty associated with it. So I found that starting a mindfulness practice was helpful. And that's how it started. Sometimes difficult times can bring a certain clarity. And through the practice of mindfulness, we develop resilience. Absolutely. So Alejandra, how about for you? How did you start practicing mindfulness? How do you define it and, and what does it mean for you personally? Yeah, Amy, I think I relate, I relate a lot to Stacey's answer. For me too, is being very self-aware and, and I see like little cake where you have different parts. And, and the beauty of it is like, you don't have to be perfect and have them all of them at 100%. So you have these portions of you, you know, your physical body, your brain, what that you intellectually nourish, your, um, you know, your soul, 
and and then uh, jurisprudence. So uh, what you do with the four of them, you know, can change depending on the circumstances, what you are and what you are facing. And being patient, you know, and beloved is being self-aware. Okay, right now I need to work more in my physical state, so I want to get in shape. There are moments where you just need to take care of your soul and do something that makes you feel good. Or there are moments where, you know, you have to... Uh, be very good at work and be intellectually, you know, this is the moment to, I don't know, study for the bar. And so things, you know, like being aware of that and being conscious that, you know, you have to create a balance between that self and focus on some of them and, and know what is going on. Um, I think uh, that for me is being self-aware, being mindful, give to yourself in all those four areas what is needed at a specific moment of time and doing it with patience because they cannot all be perfect, which is the best, but depending on what is going on. And for me, uh, when I started, you know, since very young uh, with my family in Colombia, like I always had um, like very uh, spiritual values and it started more because they are Catholic, even though I'm not like very religious, I was, you know, based on those uh, values. And after that, through challenges of life, you know, being by, on my own since very young, living abroad because I moved to France and I was 18, different cultures, different languages than in the U.S., that really thought, uh, taught me to be very resilient and hard worker and kind of really three for my dreams and what I wanted. But I realized that also that uh, being like so focused on, being overachiever kind of let myself go sometimes emotionally, self-love, being more compassionate towards myself in my journey. I met this great mentor to focus on reading, on taking the time for me, on connecting with myself through different techniques, meditation, yoga, um, walking around. So that really helped me to, you know, uh, put down all the expectations, the fears, and co connect more with myself. Um, that, that's how it started. Thank you. And Alejandra, so what does practicing mindfulness look like for you in the day to day? So um, I think as linked to what I say, was saying before, you know, this self-love and patience and not wanting to be perfect also taught me that this practice can come in different ways. So depending on the parts of the body that you need to nourish, you know, I try to create um, as you guys know, as an associate, you know, we have this billable hours requirements, we have this pressure from all the sides. So I, I believe that creating healthy habits, you know, to have a good structure is very helpful, but I don't have to follow that like a rule. I just listen to me what my body needs every day or what I feel like need. So I try to always wake up and take a five, 10 minutes for me to kind of breathe and, and meditate and kind of put in my mind the state that I want to be. And, and um, that really helps me to calm myself down and get ready through the day. Uh, sometimes if I feel like I'm a little bit down, instead of just breathing, I just put some salsa music and I start dancing around and, and, and it gives me that happiness and that warmth, especially when it's winter time, which I don't like very much. And so that gives me that strength to, okay, I'm going through the day. Then I also um, have... Um, when I, I try to physically, you know, like work out at least three times or four times per week. So I do weights, I go to my gym. Sometimes I don't feel doing that. I just do some stretching and, and yoga. Uh, and sometimes when I'm very tired and I go back home, sometimes it's just having a glass of wine, a delicious wine. But it's not about drinking and watching TV. It's about connecting with the flavors, being present, feeling that I am enjoying something and I'm giving something to myself because I deserve it. Mm -hmm. 
to really mindfully enjoying that glass of wine, savoring the flavors, enjoying it. I've, I've heard about this mindful eating or mindful oh, drinking, right. <laughs> where you're slowing down with that glass of wine at the end of the day. I love it. Yes, I, yes, I love it. That sounds great. And I'm, I, I know, uh, Lisa, you are also another busy attorney that you're uh, bouncing back and forth between court hearings. What do you do? What does it mindfulness look like for you in the day to day? So because I am in court all the time, I have 120 clients and I'm in court appearances sometimes the entire day. So my practices are not the same every day. My days are not the same every day. I try to be flexible. And that itself is a mindfulness practice. Um, and that's taken some time to develop and to trust that flexibility and to being okay with things being different um, and going with the flow a little bit. But I do, some of the practices I do do, and I do have a mindfulness practice daily, it's just not the same every day. So I practice pranayama, which are breathing practices. I sometimes do that just in bed um, before I even get out from under the covers or take my eye mask off. Um, I sometimes do do seated 20-minute meditations. I practice transcendental meditations. So that's like 25 minutes twice a day at certain times. I can't always do that every morning. Um, I sometimes just sit in silence for a few minutes or I'll stand in tree pose when I'm brushing my teeth or drinking my coffee. But even if I don't do a full yoga class, I do do a few yoga poses throughout the day. I leave the yoga mat out so I can access it at any time. Um, I find that helpful even if I just do a down dog or like one sun salutation. I actually did that at work as well. I had a yoga mat out in my office. So I do try to be flexible, which as a yogi is important. Um, and I try to have a sense of humor about everything. I think that's really, really important to be flexible and to be able to laugh at yourself. Um, and at nighttime, this is an important part of my practice. I have no electronics um, and no devices in my bedroom. So it makes my workspace even smaller since I can't work in my bedroom. But and I am a little bit rigid about that, but it's so beneficial. Um, my phone is not in my room. So the first thing I do when I wake up is not check my phone. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I can't check my phone. I do crossword puzzles or a little bit of reading. I think about two or three things I'm grateful for in the day. And I do find too that for my own well-being sleep is just so important for your health your mental emotional and physical health so those are the mindfulness practices um, i do on a daily basis it's just not the same every day and great advice lots of great advice right there stacy um, what's the day-to-day -day look like for you in your mindfulness practice well i want to echo everything that alejandra and lisa have said especially the sleep uh, that's very important. Um, so hard to do, but so important. I know, so important. Um, if you find time for anything, find time for sleep. Right. Um, but I do try to find time for meditation every day. Um, 
I do from like 18 to 24 minutes. Those are my magic numbers. Everybody has their own magic numbers, I think. Uh, those just work for me. It's a manageable amount of time for me. Um, when I don't do it, I feel that I haven't done it. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing too that's really big for me is to practice kindness. Um, I would like all my interactions with anybody who I encounter during the day to be uplifting. And so I really mindfully try to do that. And it could be really as simple as smiling at somebody. Um, if you smile at someone, it's almost reflexive that they smile back or paying a compliment. I've definitely, I feel like I've definitely made some people's days and in making their day, I'm so much happier and uplifted. Um, so I really find that for me, that's like a huge one. And it's so easy, it takes no time. Um, Exercise, Alejandro mentioned this, is actually really critical for me. If I don't get regular exercise, I'm in a fog and I'm super grumpy. So it really helps to exercise. And I don't like only do yoga. I do do yoga. I love having a yoga practice, but I'll lift weights. I'll swim. Even walking is exercise, right? Um, and it sort of clears out the cobwebs in my mind. And it helps me to feel re-energized and focused um, and refreshed so that I can actually do the work when I sit down to do the work. So I think those three are my, my main ones, meditation, kindness, and exercise. Mm -hmm. Stacy, you already started answering my next question, which is how has your mindfulness practice benefited you both personally and but also professionally? Yeah, that is a big one. Um, I have much more patience than I used to, um, and I'm able to persevere. So I used to get you know, really upset by things if they weren't going my way, a lot of frustration. That's a big one. Um, you know, a lot of getting into arguments that just weren't really helpful. Um, so it's the patience and the perseverance. I feel like the word that I would use for it is equanimity. I have much more of that now, more equanimity. Um, so that's been great both personally and professionally. Um, personally, especially living with two teenage boys and my husband very closely over the last couple of years. Um, and professionally, I can just take a, a step back um, and look at things and not be so reactive to the people that I'm working with or working for. And the other thing too is when you're more mindful, you can find a way through things. I think Lisa touched on this when she talked about being more flexible. It's almost like you can take a step back, be patient and have the presence of mind to like work through things more. Um, so that's, that's how it's helped me. And it also helps because if you're an attorney dealing with an adversary and they're looking for a reaction and you're not giving it to them, that's a win. So that's how it's really helped me. Great, great. And that's helpful when you have a lot on your plate and you're able to get that perspective. It's a exactly. huge win. Exactly. Great, great. Alejandra, how about you? How do you, would you say that your mindfulness practice has been able to benefit you not only personally, but professionally as well? Oh, it has, it has changed my life. 
now I am I'm a, a happy person because I know I have I have the power to be so I have the choice. It helped me personally first because I'm more a compassionate person. I'm more kind towards others, but especially towards myself because I think that was my my main struggle. Mm-hmm. And um, I think now I, I understand that I cannot control any situation, so it gives me perspective to face any challenge. Uh, and also, I think when you're taking care of yourself, as I said, you know, the oxygen mask first, put it yourself and then put it to others. Now I can give also the best version of me to my friends, to my family, be there for them. And then uh, when you are self-aware, you don't co-create any drama. You are able yourself to just don't react, but understand that everyone is doing just the best they can and nothing is about you. So. Uh, that's personally and professionally also. Um, I think it gives me a lot of strength, self-confidence, and being able to be a better leader for my team to stand up because I, I can be also compassionate and understand they are just human beings, so how to get out the best of them and also how to understand clients. You know, in immigration, everything is life of death. You have to, you know, do things in the right time. Uh, there is so much drama sometimes. So being able to understand that, uh, Um, has been very helpful and give me like a very clear state of mind. You know, there are so many things going on all the time. So I have been able to realize what is really my passion, what I want to do, what resonates with me and my values versus what is expected from uh, society, work, uh, the pressure, and being able to kind of filter that and and, and make sure that I always keep this balance. Like I love my, love my work, but do I really want this for me? And, 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 having this practice really helps me to be very centered to make those decisions. Lisa, how about you? How has your mindfulness practice benefited you professionally and personally? So this is really layered for me. It's definitely gotten me through some hard times, not so not such hard times, Um, Before she passed away, my mom would tell me to do my yoga when I was stressed. I needed to be reminded, and then I always felt better afterwards. It used to be much harder for me to find that for myself, to be my own self-care advocate. But in my current job, representing abused and neglected kids in family court, I have to use those tools with my clients all the time. I have to remind them to take a walk or to find something to do to distract them, to draw or something. I have to be somewhat zen. I have to be both receptive and detached. So in yoga, there's non-attachment. I feel like I use that um, tenet a lot. Mindfulness is so crucial for that. Um, I'm a member of the Wellness at Work Committee at Legal Aid. I've been doing that since 2009. So pretty much from when I started at Legal Aid. So when you do trainings for others on compassion, fatigue, and burnout, you learn to see it better for yourself. So I think that's a lot of what we've been talking about here, about giving so much to others and being compassionate but there's also that thing where you have to recognize you can't give to others from an empty cup. So you you have to step back and apply that to yourself, which which for people who are givers, um, it's sometimes hard to realize that Mm -hmm. you're also a person who needs compassion. 
So yeah, that was my experience. Um, And now at least I can laugh about it, but I feel like it is really profound. So professionally and volunteer positions, it certainly helped me. I mean, I'm the chair of this committee, but also um, in 2018, I took a sabbatical from work and I finally did my 200-hour teacher training, um, and then I did this urban Zen restorative and therapeutic yoga training, and my Reiki training, um, all these stuff, all the stuff I've been studying for for decades already. And I actually joined that committee, this committee during that time as well. Um, and then I was able to start the Yoga for Lawyers program here. So I feel like mindfulness and, and associated practices just, that's kind of, is everywhere in my life um, and has supported every aspect of my life. So I know you've had a mindfulness practice even since you were a child. So How would you say that the pandemic has affected your mindfulness practice? So it's really interesting, actually, Amy. Early on in the pandemic, there were actually some benefits. Uh, Work didn't really know what to do. Like, court didn't know how to be virtual. Now we're so busy. I I don't even have a lunch break, even though my kitchen is three feet away from me. But early on, I had so much free time. We also didn't suffer yet from Zoom fatigue. And we really didn't have a perspective as much of like how long this was going to last. Certainly not this long. So I was actually supposed to teach an in-person restorative class on March 13th, 2020, um, right after the pandemic was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. That was the day at work, we were brought into a closed conference room and told to bring home our work computers. And we haven't been back since. A bunch of folks who were supposed to come to class actually freaked out and canceled on me. And I ended up teaching um, a restorative class to two people. One was the studio receptionist, Um, but it was a really great class. And the last in-person yoga class Um, I had till recently and before Omicron. So back to work from home, Um, I was eating up all the mindfulness programs. There was so much available and I was teaching so much yoga. It was really great. In March, 2020, we actually started the weekly mindfulness breaks um, at the city bar. Um, And then in the fall of 2020, we started our yoga for lawyers program. But then as it wore on, it became harder. The yoga studio I practice and study at closed their New York City branch. A yoga retreat with my teacher in Mexico was canceled. Actually, I couldn't get refunded, which was interesting because I ended up using that money to complete my 300-hour advanced yoga teacher training on Zoom last spring. Um, My teacher still asks why I don't take or classes often. And I have to admit, I just do have some Zoom fatigue. I really miss yoga in person so much, but I do have a really great home practice. Um, and 
I do, you know, participate in remote classes as often as possible. Um, I'm looking forward to when we could do more yoga outside again. Stacy, how about you? How would you say that the pandemic has affected your mindfulness practice? Well, I definitely became much more committed to my mindfulness practice during the pandemic. And I actually, I think I had just joined the committee and I did lead some of the mindfulness breaks. So that was, that was, that was really great. A lot of fun. and was happy to contribute. Um, but one thing I changed, so we talked about what I would normally do, meditation and practicing kindness and exercise. So some of those things had to shift a little bit because I wasn't necessarily encountering as many people. Um, it was more when we took our walks, we would wave at our neighbors. And so we met them sort of that way. Um, but I want to talk about a practice that I actually started during the pandemic with my family. Um, so we started a gratitude practice because I mentioned before I have two teenage sons and I really wanted to help them to try to navigate the pandemic. And I know that gratitude helps with building resilience. And I thought it was actually a good opportunity to start that, to help them to build resilience and to focus on things that they're grateful for. Um, so over dinner each night, um, we go around the table and we say what we're grateful for. Now, I mentioned that they're two teenage boys, so they thought this was totally stupid. Um, I had absolutely no buy-in, but as mom, I laid the rules and this is what we did. So, um, so after a little bit of resistance, it turns out that they actually liked it. Um, they really got into it and um, the gratitude practice opened conversation with us. Uh, we would go around in a circle each saying one thing that we were grateful for three times. Um, and it was really kind of amazing how, you know, it opened up different levels of connection and conversation between all of us. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, thanks. We don't do it every night anymore, but sometimes I'll sit down to dinner and say, I need to have gratitude tonight. And so we do do it still on occasion, but it's been really really a blessing, actually. Alejandra, um, how would you say the pandemic has affected your mindfulness practice? Um, I think I wouldn't say affected, but I will say posit positively impacted. Great. My mindfulness practice. And, and Some positive. We'll take it. Yeah, because I think it was a, a hit of reality that came to all of us, like multiplied for thousands of things getting at us and the stress and fears and all of that. And I think it was a time to put into practice all the things that we say we're doing and how to react. So for me, it was like, okay, let's let's get and step back and, and see also how to reevaluate my priorities and slow down, take actually a break to have lunch and enjoy my lunch instead of just running, things like that. It really, really helped me. And then at work, uh, I was able to realize how advanced and how people were turning around about mindfulness, how my law firm, for example, they have really trying to work into that, to implement that, to see, uh, okay, actually, this is a big deal. We need to take care of uh, young attorneys, adult attorneys. Like, this is something that we have to talk. And now sometimes they organize yoga sessions. Like, this is something that is the most important. If you are not okay, you cannot take care of your clients and we're going to explode that our profession is, has like a higher rate 
of addictions, loneliness, stress. We are paid to be perfect and fix everything. And we are just humans. So uh, the fact that I was working on, you know, doing that for me and I was able to have now the platform at work to talk about it, to talk to other young attorneys. Hey, you are not alone. We can do that. And and like now there's this space or this comedy and this podcast that, you know, we talk about techniques and things, but we all started from zero. And I want to really encourage people at least to take one positive thing, take a glass of water and enjoy it and breathe a moment in your day. So, you know, feeling that we can all get there. What can I do to give myself a little bit of love and, and, uh, to talk about that, have platforms and, and being able to share that with my team. You know, we were having organizing meetings for them to communicate, connect really, you know, to have more uh, like mindful communications, connections and things and see how that will help. And the workspace uh, for me has been one of the best things in this pandemic. And 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 I think I'm very uh, grateful to see that now, you know, we're creating a podcast about it. We're inviting people that little by little, this is a normal thing. And this is the most important to take care of our health, mental health, physical health uh, with love and a lot of patience. <laughs> with love and a lot of patience. I absolutely adore that. So, Alejandra, what would you say to someone who is listening right now, who's curious about what we're saying? interested in this mindfulness practice and some of these suggestions that we've said, but they are completely stressed out. Their schedule is just too packed. They have just so much on their plate um, and they, they just don't know where to start. Yeah, well, it goes connected to all that we just said, you know, is patience and kindness to yourself and love to yourself, tons of it. If you think you are doing it, you are not doing it. And and I think um, if, you know, giving that to you, you know, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful present because that creates and stop. Like we have the possibility to pause, like the war is not gonna end, no one is bleeding, no one is dying take that perspective. You know, we have all these expectations from our family, from work, from clients, that we have to respond right away, but we don't. Like, you are gonna be reactive, aggressive, resentful, so many negative things if you don't take the time to be like patient in the process and be kind to yourself. So I think I will say, have it realistic expectations where at the beginning of the year, resolutions, I want to change my whole life. But just to start with very little things, you know, what about writing down something good about yourself every day? And then you can say that about others because I think you cannot give what you don't have. So that's what I believe. Like, you know, if you do that, if you're compassionate with yourself, it's going to be naturally easier to do it with others and to be less reactive when things happen to you. Having, you know, like less expectations on you, enjoy things, you know, taking two minutes to breathe and stretch between the 14 hours that we have to sit and respond to memo or respond to clients. Just take a little break in a moment to connect with yourself, to really breathe, uh, you know, don't be in that motopilot. It's like the most beautiful thing that you can give to yourself because then you are not in pain, we're not stressed, we're not, like you can see it in the face of people if you don't smile, like if you don't breathe. So uh, I will say that, give yourself a lot of love, kindness, whatever practice it is, you know, uh, put in something funny for you to switch your brain mode and give you a little bit of something, you know. We don't need to stimulate with other things. We have all the tools to do it in a way without ourselves. So I, I would say that patience, a lot of self-love and little habits with clear expectations that you cannot become this 
yoga guru in one month, you don't need to. Just just start with something. Great, great. Lisa, do you have any advice for someone who wants to start on a mindfulness practice, doesn't know where to begin? Yes, Amy. So I would say take two minutes. You have two minutes. So literally 120 seconds. We might not have five minutes. We might not have 10 minutes. You know, as a yogi and a yoga teacher, I don't always have an hour or 45 minutes to take a full yoga class. You don't need to. Do some deep breathing. And what I mean by that is breathe into your belly, count your breath. So you go in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four. You can even put on a timer, do that for two minutes. Do a body scan. And what that means is just name every part of your body or the ones you think of, no stress, your head, your eyes, your chin, your neck, your shoulders, all the way down to your feet. What that does is it grounds you and it actually decreases anxiety. Make sure your feet are grounded on the floor. That means just you're taking off your shoes and your feet are on the floor. You could do some jumping jacks. You could take a walk down the block. You can dance to your favorite music. I like to tell Alexa to put on some Taylor Swift. I hope she doesn't do it right now and interrupt us. And then I just dance for two minutes. Just do something to get out of your head, to get out of that lawyer brain. I actually read something recently in the New York Times about exercise snacks. Take mindfulness snacks, do one sun salutation, get a kid's coloring book and some crayons and color in one page, just, just two minutes, just for a few minutes. And you could do those as many times as you can. They're healthy snacks. You can have as many as you want. Um, and I think that's good. And I, I use that sometimes in some really stressful days. Like I said, I have my yoga mat out. I might do like two minutes of yoga. I might, like I said, turn on music and like dance for two minutes or do two minutes of breathing. And um, yeah, have some healthy snacks throughout your day. Stacy, how about you? Any tips for someone looking to start a mindfulness practice? Yeah, so... Taking two minutes is great. I highly recommend it. But I actually think you can even just take a moment. I think that only a moment or two and taking those deep breaths that Lisa was talking about. Um, and then you can even set the intention to release tension and pressure and, and stress, like blowing it out, like on the out breath, sending it to Mother Earth for her to recycle um, and use it for something good. So, but I think that the moment that you can come back to awareness, so we talked about that at the beginning, right? The definition of mindfulness is having present moment awareness. So really stress comes down to not being aware of your own self, but being pulled in all these other directions, all of the responsibilities, all of the clients, all of the co-counsels or, or opposing counsel in your day. So take a moment and come back to yourself and who you are. And Lisa talked about grounding and grounding is very important because anxiety flows from being ungrounded. Okay. Um, and in your head, not in your body. 
something that takes a moment. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out, hour-long practice. It really is just coming right back to your center, coming back to who you are, and being aware of yourself in time and space and in what you're doing. So that's what I would say to people. Take a moment. Great. Well, thank you so much for all of this great advice. And in the spirit of taking a moment and slowing down, we will now start with our closing meditation. And Lisa, will you lead us in a five-minute closing meditation? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, Amy. So if everyone, wherever you are, could just find an easy seat. You might have to go somewhere if you're walking or if you're on the subway, you can sit in your chair. Um, if you have a seat, you can also do this wherever you are. But if you're in a place where you can find a seat, find a seat. If you're on a chair, sit at the edge of your chair. If you're comfortable sitting cross-legged or in another position, do so. But some part of your body, your feet or your legs should be touching the earth as we talked about, grounded to the earth. So if you're in your chair, move to the edge of your chair. So your legs can be at a 90 degree angle. Your feet are planted on the earth. Your sits bones or the pointy parts, bony parts of your seat are planted on your chair. You have the natural curves in your spine. And now just take a breath in and lift your shoulders towards your ears. And then in a breath out, just allow them to release. And do that a few more times. Lift your shoulders on your inhale, release on your exhale, and on your own breath, right? We all breathe ourselves, so in and up and out and down. In and up and out and down. Just Three more rounds of that on your own. Now add some neck rolls. Again, taking that deep belly breath, paying attention to when the air comes in through your nose and out through your mouth. You might hear some creaking and that's normal. And then come back to stillness again. Feel your head above your shoulders your chest, above your hips, and again, your feet firmly planted on the ground. Now feel the palms of your hands on your thighs. So you're feeling that grounded connection, your hands on your thighs, your feet planted on the earth. Start again to come back to your breath. Notice as the air enters through your nostrils, passes through your soft palate, down your throat, filling your lungs, expanding your belly. And then notice as your belly contracts and the air lifts back out through your nose. Following that breathing practice for three more rounds of breath on your own, feeling the air as it enters your nostrils, goes down the back of your throat, fills and expands your chest and your lungs, and then finally expands your Buddha belly. And then that as you exhale in reverse, feel your belly lift, 
and the air rise back out through the back of your throat and out your nose. One more round of that on your own, feeling where the breath travels as it goes in to fill your belly and as it goes out and exits through your nostrils. Just follow your own breath. We're gonna do a body scan together. Notice the top of your head. Notice the skin on your brow, your eyes in their sockets, the length of your nose, the place where your lips touch, the curve of your neck, your shoulders, the drop of your arms from your shoulders to your elbows, to your wrists, to your palms resting on your thighs. Notice your chest as it expands and contracts with breath. Follow the length of your spine to your seat firmly planted on your chair. Follow the length of your thighs to your knees. Notice the drop of your calves to your ankles. Notice where your feet press into the ground and take a deep breath in, filling your whole body with air and then allow yourself to audibly sigh it out. Do that once more, filling your whole entire body with air allowing your body to sigh it out and then just allow yourself to release. You don't have to sit straight anymore. You can open your eyes and come back to the podcast. Thank you, Lisa. That was very relaxing. Taking just a few minutes for mindful breathing or a body scan like we just did can be very grounding. It not only reduces stress in the moment, but can really help set the tone for the day. Lisa, Stacy, and Alejandra, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your insights. Thank you to the New York City Bar for hosting us, and thank you, listeners, for joining us. Please check out the Mindfulness and Wellbeing in Law Committee's page for the latest information on some wonderful upcoming events available for all City Bar members. There, you can find links for live virtual events and previously recorded events, such as Mindfulness Breaks, Yoga for Lawyers, and our book club. Please stay tuned for more podcasts as we delve deeper into some of the topics touched upon today and continue to speak with attorneys practicing mindful lawyering. We will explore topics such as the future of hybrid work, building resilience, setting boundaries at work, the impact of trauma, how to mindfully shift careers, and more. I'm Amy LaTorre, and this is Mindful Lawyering. Thank you for listening to the 44th Street Podcast of the New York City Bar Association. 
Opinions expressed are those of the speakers and not necessarily of the City Bar. Find more City Bar podcasts and program audio on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or at our website at nycbar.org. This podcast was produced by Eli Cohen.